Yeah, yeah. You see me coming in, getting in my seat, man. I am so fired up, man. You hear that music? It's Thursday. Happens to be the last Thursday of the month. It is also 1046. I'm Guy Adami, joined as always. Well, not always. Joined this week by Dan Nathan. Last week, we had the great Carter Braxton work. Today's episode of 1046 is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Backset Financial Data and Analytics, powered by Tomorrow and Open Exchange. Because, Dan, as you know, they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Today, we're going to hit a macro call, a couple single stock things. We have our chart of the week, and our man Butters is back on 14 minutes. Dan Nathan, you see how hyped up I am. You better be bringing the equal energy. Guy Adami, I think our viewers cannot unsee that that little image of you coming into the that, stop, in stop, 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 stop. You did come in hot. All right, let's just get to it because you know what? We've been kind of previewing, we've been talking mm-hmm. about what the things might be that would cause some downward volatility in the equity markets. We've been talking that for weeks on that 1046, and we finally got it here. It happened right around mid-month in September, a couple weeks left in the quarter. It happened to coincide with that. Fed meeting um, and that Fed presser, um, I don't think that they gave us some great indication that they were going to get particularly hawkish anytime soon, but the bond market or investors in the bond market just kind of went the other way here, right, Guy? I mean, that that's really the story of the last few weeks. I used to play volleyball in the high school for intramurals, and it was rotate and serve. And every time yeah. I hear rotation, for some reason, it, it bring it. I hearken back to those days. And you're seeing a rotation in a major way, in my opinion, all predicated on exactly what you just said. The fact that yields have gone significantly higher over the last couple of weeks. You know, we're talking about a 10-year that a few weeks ago seemed to be mired at 125. And now as we do this, we are talking about a 10-year that spiked to 156 and it's either side of 153. And I think that's what's going on here. It's leading to some of these moves, some of these rotations, which I think a lot of people would submit is healthy. I would agree with that. The problem is going to be can what we are rotating into support the broader market? That, Dan Nathan, is the question. Yeah, so if you look at the, the least bad is the XLF. That's the, the ETF that tracks the banking index. It's you know down less than half a percent or so um, over the last month. But energy is the one that really sticks out to me, guy, up 8%. And you would think that what's also happened as rates have gone higher, it's not because we're like in this inflection point for growth. Um, they've gone higher for a whole host of other reasons, but the dollar has also gone higher. And so sooner or later, I would expect the higher the dollar goes, the higher rates go. Maybe you don't have that commensurate strength in energy or energy-related issues. But the one thing we got to talk about is large-cap tech here, NASDAQ, NDX. Um, you know, we've seen that underperform over the last few weeks here. I think it's down about 5.5% from its all-time highs earlier in the month, while the S&P is down only Three and a half percent. You see that uptrend over the last year. We're not far from it. Do you think we get there? And do we test that two hundred day? Absolutely. The the, the short answer is, I mean, that is a rhetorical question. As they say, I love rhetorical as an H jammed in there for some reason. But I do think it's sort of somewhat of a foregone conclusion that once again we're going to test that uptrend as we have a couple of times over the last year since basically uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving of last year. The question really is, do we test the 200-day? That would require some work on the downside. And if these mega cap names that you talk about all the time start to give it up a little bit more, then I think you're going to see that very quickly. And I will say, you brought up a great point, Dan. What you danced around is, are rates going higher for the right reasons? In other words, are rates going higher because we're seeing 
uh, economic growth or rates going higher for some other reason. I happen to think it's some other reason, but as they say, that's what makes markets. Yeah, I think you're, you're kind of pointing to the idea of the stagflation, a topic that we've discussed here. We're seeing prices that have remained high, at least as far as jobs, wage inflation has been there. We're seeing lots of input costs that are higher. And at this point, given the bottlenecks and some of the supply chains, you know, the likelihood that that abates anytime soon. My, my mind has kind of changed a little bit on this. I thought that we would kind of be behind some of these problems at this point in the year. But here we are entering Q4 and people are starting to get a little bit worried about that holiday selling season because of those supply chain disruptions, lack of chips, that sort of thing. So to me, that's really interesting. Guy, look at this chart right here. This is, I call this the man on the boat with two dogs chart, Dan. Please elaborate. All right, that's the Goodfellas thing. One dog looks one way, one goes the other way. All right, well, look at that spread that we had back in March, the last time rates were really ripping. The 10-year U.S. Treasury yield got to 177. The mega cap tech was underperforming. Now, we saw as rates came in, tech started to assert itself once again. So here we are. We have that underperformance we just talked to. This is just a little bit of a visual, just kind of showing that relationship or that opposite relationship they seem to have right now between I think large cap no, tech you know and rates. A picture is worth a thousand words, as they say, and this illustrates exactly that. When rates have moved in a meaningful way to the upside, you see this under significant underperformance of the NASDAQ. And you mentioned March for good reason, because obviously that's when the 10-year traded up to 177. But as rates came back, the NASDAQ found its footing. You know, again, I'm, I'm probably in a minority, uh, generally speaking, but I do think rates are going to make another push towards that 177 level. And I'll be as bold as to say we're going to see 2% by the end of the year. Now, I think I know what that means for the NDX and the broader market. We will see. I do think you could see a significant underperformance again. It would make sense. Rates, rates have moved in a meaningful way over the last couple of weeks, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. So this is a chart that I'm glad we put up because it illustrates exactly that in a visual form, but obviously leads us to the S&P 500 the granddaddy of them all, as they used to say uh, back in my day, Dan. And back here we are. Well, no, you were the nifty 50 guy. But I, I think what's oh, interesting is we were just talking that. about thank you. So That's the, the NDX. Joke. Yeah, it is an age joke. The NDX is below the lows, right, from last week. The S&P has not done that, right? So we had that big reversal here. So let's keep an eye on that low um, from last Monday. And, you know, that really nice um, uptrend from last year's lows, we broke it and we got rejected there on that bounce last week. And so, you know, to my eye, I think we got a little bit of a hungry alligator uh, formation here. Say guy I, I was me, just, yeah. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it which, because that's clearly the hungry alligator. That's right, which brings you back, you know, maybe to that June low, which is just above the 200-day. Are we getting there, Guy Adami? Are we going to touch so. that? I, again, I think so, because I think the leadership that we're going to start to lose, that's so supportive of the S&P 500. I mean, so, listen, it's amazing that so few stocks are basically the driver of the S&P 500, obviously 500 names. It's incredible, and it's somewhat problematic. This is a hungry alligator. Thank you to FactSet for these wonderful charts. That 4125 level-ish is a 200-day moving average, and that coincides with that low, that red line that you drew. So yes, I think we're going to see it. And by the way, I think that's the healthiest possible outcome for the market if you're bullish. You actually want to see this move, and you want to see it in a relatively short period of time. So yes, I'm with you on that, Dan. Yes, I think we test the 200-day in the S&P 500, which takes us, Dan, to our first research call. I love it when this is sort of when rivals rate each other, right? Morgan Stanley downgrading Wells Fargo. Listen, 
this is not a table pounder. I think they lowered their price target by a couple bucks. And quite frankly, it puts them the stock in line with where we're trading now. You can read it. I will say this. The banks will report, I believe, uh, October 14th through the 16th. Don't at me if I'm wrong. Wells Fargo is sort of one of the first ones to report. Tangible book, as reported last quarter in Wells Fargo, is $35. That's not going to meaningfully move. I think Wells Fargo is one of the names that should be trading on or around tangible book. What does that mean? Well, I happen to think you might see a pretty significant decline. Before we look at the chart, thoughts on the Wells Fargo call, Dan? Yeah, so interestingly, you know, you said it wasn't a table pounder. This analyst is taking money off the table, as they say, um, you know, and the price target doesn't go too far and it doesn't seem to be a big adjustment to estimates. I think it really speaks to the outperformance from the last November's lows relative to some of the other names in the space, specifically money centers up, you know, 55% of the year. Um, you know, the valuation guy, you know, you, you, you tell me, um, you know, should it be $35 a tangible book? You know, I, I'm not so sure. I will tell you this, that the stock acts pretty decently on a downgrade like that. And if we want to look at the chart, I mean, you know, we're in this light, nice little uptrend going back from the spring. It has been volatile. It seems to be a bit more volatile. There's been some regulatory action and some other stuff um, going on, which has been really part of the story for the last five years, right, guy? And that was one of the reasons that we've seen massive underperformance in the day. I agree with that, Dan. I will say there's, I mean, I, I'm a Warren Buffett fan. We actually went to grade school together, and he's one of those guys that says, I don't know, rising tide lift all boats, so you see who's not wearing a bathing suit when the tide, something like that. I think one of the reasons you've had a decent yeah. performance in Wells is because it's been getting dragged along with the rest of the banks. But don't, don't conflate or don't put Wells Fargo in the same category as some of these other banks. A lot of the Wells Fargo problems are self-inflicted. And quite frankly, if Citibank is trading at a discount to tangible book, uh, I happen to think that Wells Fargo should be as well. But that's what makes markets. Let's take a look at our next chart because this illustrates a potential breakout in the form of JP Morgan. Look, I will say this. If rates continue to go higher, as I believe, whether you like it or not, I think JP Morgan's going to break out from this potential double top here, Dan Nathan. Yeah, you know, we threw this chart in here because obviously deemed to be best of breed here, and the stock has been going sideways in a fairly decent sized range, you know, for the better part of the last six months. I just think that as soon as that rate move started, it's just fascinating that this stock literally rallied 10% in a straight line here. It just shows you where money wants to go in this space. And again, I mean, I, I think it's going to take a little bit more than. 165, let's say, on the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield to get this thing breaking out in a meaningful fashion. So to me, I would expect maybe a pullback into that earnings over the next couple of weeks. And let's see what the results look like and what the Q4 guidance looks like. When I worked in London for a period of time, they, they for some reason, like to put an S at the end of all the banks. So let's take a look at Goldman's, if you will, which Again, very steep uptrend, seemingly have broken it. I think, again, if, if you're bullish, you actually want to see it trade down and bounce off the 200-day moving average. What are your thoughts here in GS before we go uh, to our next call? Yeah, it's interesting to see the divergence between, let's say, the investment banks like uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman over the last week or so um, as rates have kind of been moving higher in some of these money centers. And we know it's that kind of focus on net interest margin, margins, that sort of thing. Um, you know, this one, 350, that's the 200-day moving average, which lines up with that double bottom from the summer. That seems like a pretty good support level. I'm not saying it's a great press on the way down there to the short side, but if you're looking to kind of reload prior to earnings, if things were to get a little sloppier in the market, that's the level I would look for it to hold support. 
So when I was in high school, everybody seemed to like this band Rush. I, 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 I just never liked them, although I acknowledge that their drummer, the late Neil Peart, was one of the greatest drummers of all time. Not in the same category as John Bonham, but great nonetheless. I mentioned Rush because as we approach 11, we're not going to make it, folks. We're, not, we're going through 11. So if you have some meeting, just sit tight. We'll get through this. So relax. Bernstein upgrades Boeing. I like what they're doing here. I think what they're saying is basically maybe all the news is bad news is behind them. Uh, Boeing has not been able to get out of their own way now, seemingly for the last couple of years. But it makes you wonder, you know, is that bad news behind them? And is Bernstein ahead of the curve here? I think they might actually be. I don't know if we're going to see the 279 level, but I definitely think we could see the mid to 250s, 260s or so. Thoughts on this before we look at the chart, Dan? Yeah, I think your point is that there's been no shortage of bad fundamental news. And it just feels like it just keeps on coming. They lost a big contract to Airbus a few weeks ago. So, you know, there's going to be further probably regulatory scrutiny of this company. I will just say this. If you look at their earnings expectations, guy, they swung to a huge loss, obviously, in 2020. And uh, into this year, they're not expected to get back to peak earnings, which is above $16, which is, I think, what they printed back in 2018 for another three or four years. Okay, mm -hmm. so, you know, earnings... Um, their, their earnings are have been like materially impacted. Obviously, the 737 MAX situation was one part of that, and then the pandemic, and we really don't have a lot of certainty when we're going to get back to the sort of um, traffic levels, right, that were pre-pandemic. So that's a big thing. I just think the chart is also really interesting, Guy. It just seems that the rallies are getting smaller and smaller. We've been bouncing off that support level um, just above 200 or so, but you see that really well-defined downtrend that has been in since the spring, and just to me, I just think you probably have another rest, uh, retest of that support level soon. No, that's fair. Look, if we listen, if we fail here at this trend line, it's not particularly good because the next time down, it's not going to hold, in my opinion. So I think you make a great point. I guess what I'm saying is I think Bernstein is making a play that, you know, maybe the bad news is behind and maybe we'll get a couple months of non-news because the news has been bad and maybe it'll be supportive with rates going higher that Boeing can break out of this. Look, I admire them for their temerity to make this call. And we'll see what happens as we go forward. That's what makes markets. As they say, we have to look at the XLI, though. That's important because this did bounce off the 200-day moving average. Now, with that said, it wasn't a very robust bounce, but it did do that, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's one of the first sectors to hit the 200-day moving average, if you will. And it has not confirmed any of the new highs in the S&P that they were making seemingly every day in August and into early September. So the industrials might be reflecting some of the stuff that we're talking about on the macro, that just the economic data has been slowing. GDP for Q3 is expected to come in way below than when a lot of strategists and economists thought where it would be in the start of the quarter here. And maybe we really are at a period where some of the stuff that's going on in China is having reverberations around the globe. And if you think back over the last five or six years or so, some of the biggest um, volatility periods that we've had in, in global markets has because of weak China growth or concerns about weaker growth than expected. And they're clearly, they're clearly up to something there in China. That's for another show at another time. We are now on the other side of 11 a.m., which brings us to our friend, Mr. Butters, who is a, in a word, stud. One for the road, growing gap in guidance, which, you know what, makes a lot of sense if you think about where we are in this cycle. There's going to be that divergence, but this illustrates it in a visual form, Dan Nathan. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, listen, what, what he's saying here is more uh, S&P 500 companies have issued positive EPS guidance and negative EPS than negative EPS. All right. So, okay. So, you know, that's a matter of expectations here. The guide's going to be really important. You know, you and I have been talking about this a lot over the last few weeks. It's kind of interesting to get some of those off-cycle earnings reports. What have we seen from FedEx, from Nike over the last couple of weeks? Some of the commentary out of Facebook, a whole wide swath of companies that are basically talking down Q4 here. So if expectations are still very high for Q4, be prepared to be disappointed. We also saw, um, let's just go to the chart of the week. We love Butter's work, but here's an example of it. Micron reported um, just the other day, and you could have driven a truck through the guidance that they gave for EPS and sales for the current quarter here. I think it was between, you know, like 12% below what uh, the street had been expecting. Now, interestingly, the stock guy did not get slayed, and that's a good news, but the stock is also well below its 52-week highs. Well, that's exactly why it did not get slayed, because it's significantly lower than that 96 level we saw in the spring. The stock has been going basically slightly sideways to lower ever since that period of time. It stopped, but now we're in this next period. It has found support for whatever reason at this level. If it's able to shrug off this earnings report, uh, there's a very good chance we're going to test the 200-day moving average on the upside. So this is a great chart. Just to look at what Dan's talking about, illustration that sometimes um, bad guidance will actually be met by buying, given where the stock has been and where it is now. It's a great visual, Dan Nathan. You know what else is a great visual? You are. And it's great to see you once again. And as we turn over uh, the leaf to October, Dan, it's important now to say goodbye to our sponsors, but I'm sure you have some parting thoughts before we leave. Yeah, I really think the market guy is in this kind of one step forward, two steps back right now. And so we're seeing that, that yeah, we've had some sharp sell-offs over the last couple of weeks now, dating back to September 20th. Um, and we've seen some bounces there, but the bounces are getting smaller and smaller here. And I think you use this expression on that Boeing chart, the more often you test support, the weaker it becomes, right? And I think the S&P 500 uh, move back towards that 200-day moving average at 4,100 uh, makes a lot of sense sense. And it really could set up for a good springboard into year end for those people who think we will finally have COVID behind us as we exit the year. Well, let's put up the screen to, to, to thank our sponsors. Today's episode of At 1046 has been brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Stan. Please get ready. Fact set, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Those all but one of those charts, by the way, you saw today were from Fact Set. Thank you. And thank you for bringing us John Butters once again. And of course, our friends at Open Exchange. But before I say this, we have to give a birthday shout out to our great executive producer, Amanda Diaz. Happy birthday, AD, kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> but thank you, Open Exchange. Dan, get ready. They manage virtual meetings at what? Matter, Guy Dami. For the top companies around the world, brother. I will see you next week, next Thursday. What time? 1046. Damn straight. <laughs>